0: Welcome to the Agile Strategy Lab podcast, where we explore what it means to view your organization, your company, or your community through the lens of agility to create a strategy that works in a rapidly changing world. I've seen retrospectives on 2020 that include claims for the official color of 2020, blue, the official hobbies of 2020, and various official attire or gadgetry for working from home. I'm still waiting for the verdict on official buzzwords of 2020. Before the pandemic dethroned all the other candidates, one word that seemed to be everywhere was ecosystem and I'm betting that it soon will be back. The word ecosystem is of course borrowed from ecology. An ecosystem encompasses everything in a particular habitat, such as a forest or the ocean floor, and how it works together in a balanced, harmonious way. Every species can thrive in a healthy ecosystem. But take one element out, even one that seems to play a very small role, and you risk upsetting that balance and endangering the health of the whole habitat. Outside of the specific ecological definition, the word ecosystem is used to describe a set of people, organizations, policies, and other agents that ideally function together to create health, often for a community or a region. It's hard to precisely define an ecosystem because the borders can be fuzzy. Everything seems to have some impact on the whole. That's the very nature of an ecosystem, and it's what makes it so daunting in trying to affect change. The fact is that ecosystems can't be controlled. They can only be guided. Our guest today is Andy Stoll. Andy is a social entrepreneur and a senior program officer at the Kauffman Foundation in Kansas City, Missouri. The Kauffman Foundation focuses its work on entrepreneurship, and increasingly on entrepreneurial ecosystems, the habitat, if you will, in which entrepreneurship can thrive. We recently talked about what the foundations learned about entrepreneurial ecosystems, the critical leverage point for guiding them, and how agile strategy can be a tool for guiding growth.
1: So an entrepreneurial ecosystem is really all of the things that surround an entrepreneur that support them uh, in their sort of aspirations to build and grow a business, um, there's obvious things in an ent- pieces of an entrepreneurial e- ecosystem, which would be things like money, uh, mentorship, things like incubators and accelerators. And there are things that are I, I would count as the elements of an entrepreneurial ecosystem that maybe some folks don't think about, and that might be um, access to customers. It might be the public policy environment. It might be access to talent that you can hire for your company. Um, but most importantly, uh, the key element of an entrepreneurial ecosystem, which a lot of people don't think about, is actually the culture. So it's the culture that knits together all of the pieces of that ecosystem and be a culture that encourages people to dream big, to take risks, to try things, to fail, to get up, to try again, and then a culture that really says collaborate and work together. And it is through that collaboration that the elements of an entrepreneurial ecosystem actually come together to create something that is much more uh, impactful than it's in than it's just the, its individual parts. And so an ecosystem really the word system is in there, and um, and how you grow and develop that ecosystem, uh, we believe the Kauffman Foundation is actually going to dictate the dictate the future prosperity of your community because entrepreneurs are incredibly important to to communities and economies and creating jobs and wealth and cool businesses on on Main Street. Any community, any city is made up of actually many kinds of entrepreneurial ecosystems. So there's ecosystems that support um, like high, fast growing startups like the Facebooks of the world. Uh, There's another ecosystem of support that supports entrepreneurs who maybe have small businesses or maybe, maybe even what you call micro businesses, which are like folks that maybe do stuff on eBay or Etsy. Um, there's types uh, of ecosystems and communities that support different types of businesses. Um, so one example of a, of a strong ecosystem is actually in Kansas City, uh, Missouri, and, and the general region has a really strong uh, entrepreneurial ecosystem that supports animal health. So if you had a company in animal health, I know it seems a little odd, but if you think about the history of Kansas City, um, going all the way back to the, the, the days that people drove cattle uh, to Kansas City to put on the riverboats, Uh, and the boats down to New Orleans, um, there's a lot of support for the raising and development of entrepreneurs who work in animal health. If you look at cities like Tampa Bay uh, has a really growing uh, entrepreneurial ecosystem to support military related companies because they have a big Air Force base there and there's a lot of folks that support that uh, type of business. Uh, If you go to San Diego, you can learn a lot about um, sort of uh, Health healthcare startups, a lot of healthcare startups and pharmaceutical companies, and so each each community, each uh, uh, each city, oftentimes has different strengths, and there are entrepreneurial ecosystems everywhere, but entrepreneurial ecosystems like Silicon Valley are the most famous uh, in sort of the the way we talk about entrepreneurship. But if you actually think about about Silicon Valley, it's really good at a very particular type of entrepreneurship, and was was the type of entrepreneurship that that brings a, a, a you know. App-based startups, oftentimes uh, for like consumers and regular people, that are innovative and create things like Facebook and Instagram, well, a lot Silicon Valley. Uh, but there are many communities, not just in the United States but around the world, that um, that are developing these entrepreneurial ecosystems. And this is not a new thing. There have been these types of systems everywhere. Um, but I think what what one thing that's really happening is that our economy and our society is really changing. That in a way that is really democratized entrepreneurship, and so regardless of where you are or who you are, you have access to some of these tools now that you can become an entrepreneur. And so we're seeing entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial ecosystem systems sort of proliferate everywhere.
0: It's interesting, as you were talking, I was thinking about, uh, you know, economic development. There's this whole school around cluster development and there's obviously sort of a nexus there. Um, But I don't know that necessarily a lot of economic developers think in terms of, an entrepreneurial ecosystem when they're, when they're trying to design a cluster strategy? I know some do, for sure, um, and that's partly, I think, a public policy issue. <laughs> so our public policy hasn't always um, sort of lined those things up. How do you see those things fitting together?
1: Well, I'm going to reference a, a good friend of mine, Del Gaines, who works at the Federal Reserve Bank in Kansas City, and Dell uh, first has a PhD in economic development. I don't have a huge history in economic development, but he has a PhD and has really studied the history of economic development. He talks about the four waves of economic development. So the first was an attraction and retention based model, which many communities still rely on today. How do we get the big, big companies to move to our community and how do we keep the ones we have from leaving? Um, and, and then that was actually developed in the mid 20th century and has been sort of perfected in time since. He talks about the second wave, which was in the 1980s in the United States, where there was a focus on entrepreneurship and economic development. And that's where we got incubators and research parks and the idea of we just need to focus on help entrepreneurs and many communities, most all communities, have at least a office that supports entrepreneurs. Then in the 1990s, Dell talks about the notion of cluster development, which is if we get a bunch of people that work in the same industries Uh, to come together and gather in the same spot, maybe in those research parks. You're going to see new companies, you're going to see existing companies grow, you're going to see some entrepreneurship. Um, But what I think is missing in some of many of the notions of cluster development, as far as I understand it, is the emphasis on entrepreneurship uh, and starting of new companies and then also really focusing on the connections between all the parts. I think cluster development said, let's just throw all the parts together in a physical geographic location. But, um, but really getting those parts to work together is the secret sauce. It's how do, you, um, how do you create an environment in which all those different pieces of the cluster want to work together. And in the case of entrepreneurial ecosystem, work together to support the birth and growth of new and young companies. And what the research shows, um, pretty uh, uh, fundamentally important research that came out in like 2015, is that most net new jobs are created by uh, companies five years and younger. So it's not the size of the company, it's actually the age of the company. And, and when you say net new jobs, I, I'm speaking like an, like an economic development economist here. But what that actually means is uh, 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 that, that existing companies create jobs, but also in the aggregate, they destroy jobs. And so if you add it up, it's actually like net zero. So big companies, like if you look across the entire economy, it's pretty much zero. But net new jobs actually come from these young companies, five years old and younger. And so a lot of the work we think about is how do you create and support these entrepreneurial ecosystems or sometimes called entrepreneurial communities that again support the the growth of those young companies. And the answer is you get all the parts to work together uh, with a culture of collaboration, which ultimately creates sort of the soil, if you will, uh, as a metaphor uh, for uh, how young companies get seeded and grow or the, the proper environment in which they grow. And, and it, there's an analogy, I mean, ecosystems is a purposeful word because I think there's an analogy to ecosystems in nature. You know, it's the right, when you plant a seed, it's the right combination of light, water, soil, minerals. I mean, all of the factors that go into whether a plant grows, uh, you can apply the same idea to, to, to companies and especially new companies in the case of the work we do with the Kauffman Foundation.
0: So culture feels like the hardest one i mean i mean the easy part mm-hmm. is you know throwing them all together i think um but culture how you know how in the world do you create a culture of collaboration in a particular community slash region
1: yeah um, i think that
0: practices for that
1: culture is a very powerful force and i would actually argue it's one of the most powerful invisible forces like you you know if you look at uh, culture as it relates to like countries and ethnicities. I think culture is such an invisible force because you don't even really know you're wearing it until you take it off. So when you travel, like if you leave the United States or you leave your home, whatever country, and you go to another country, you suddenly can see the culture in your own country. But culture is everywhere, you know, and culture is created by everything. It's created by, Big, huge things like uh, strategies and initiatives and policies, but it's also created by really, really small things like the way you invite people to a meeting, the way you behave, uh, and sort of model behavior for other people. Um, and it it is is not static. So the culture you have today, if it's excellent, it may not be. A great tomorrow or it could be better but it just depends on the actions of all of the players in the system all at once and so it's really decentralized there isn't you know ceo as we all know can't just snap their fingers and she can't say this is our culture in our company um, you have to uh, uh, really create uh, or take it to do efforts to sort of create that culture and And for me, the way I look at it um, is we say, how do you create a culture in a community? It's a little bit easier to create culture in a company because at least you can tell where the edge of the company is. But when you're looking at a community, like where's the edge? Like who's in the community? Who's not in the community? And so um, one of the elements of culture um, that I, you know, continually come back to is, is the role of leaders in a culture to model the future they wish to see, and it's the behavior of leaders, which is really all of us, frankly, in a community, uh, taking actions and doing things that ultimately help foster the right culture. And the right culture uh, is also a little bit of a, a, a little bit of an amorphous word as well, so that makes it incredibly difficult. One of my favorite stories that points out to how little things can make big changes in culture um, is I worked with a university years ago who had an incubator and they were not seeing much collaboration across the companies in the incubator. And they encouraged people, they had uh, social hours, they, they created tons of these formal proposed initiatives that cost money to try to get the different startup companies and in their incubator to work together. And ultimately they succeeded and broke through, but it wasn't because of a meeting or because of an initiative or, or, a, or a policy change or a huge budget item. It actually was the result of that the director of the incubator got super tired of people not connecting, went out to the hardware store and bought a bunch of doorstops, stops and then propped open the door of every single company within the incubator and told them that they were required to keep the door open and that little, those little triangles ultimately opened up space where people started bumping into each other in the hallways, finding ways to step into their offices and out of the corridor. And over the course of a couple of years from then on, the incubator was much more collaborative. And what we know from research is innovation and, and, and sort of creativity really comes from dense networks of people working together. And what I love about that story is at the end of the day, a, you know, collaborate, uh, Creating a collaborative culture costs a dollar at the hardware store for each of those, those doorstops. And so culture is built upon thousands of actions and behaviors. Ultimately the question I think, we're thinking about the Kauffman Foundation, I'm sure you all are thinking about uh, as it relates to strategic doing is what are the role, of, what's the role of leaders in creating that type of culture? Oh, the of thing you. I say the most uh, in my job, <laughs> talking to community leaders, uh, all over the United States and really all over the world. And they ask me, well, how do I create a more collaborative culture? Uh, my answer uh, uh, is, is very simple, which is, which is you can't build a collaborative culture by sitting around talking about how to build a collaborative culture. You have to do something, but it's shocking the m- number of c- communities, organizations, <laughs> who have the collaboration meeting we're going to have a meeting about how we're going to collaborate and it's just like i've been in enough of those to know that that's probably not going to work you can't build trust and collaboration by talking about building trust and collaboration you have to do something but what's great and what strategic doing reinforces is the thing i've i've come to learn is that you 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 build trust and collaboration by doing something and and frankly i don't actually totally care what that something is as long as everybody is excited to do the something and what strategic doing really blew my mind was it was a process to get from here's all the things we could possibly do down to a thing we're going to do and then get buy-in along the way that by the end we are going to go do something and sometimes it's big and sometimes it's small but like we are all bought into that something because getting to the something that we're going to do together is ultimately uh, where things typically get derailed there's disagreements and priorities, there's dis- dis- disagreements and what is the next thing. And ultimately you have to, you, you all, everyone has to be in for it to be collaborative. And, and that's why strategic doing the first time I learned about it was like, oh, wow, this is actually a process to do this that anyone can learn.
0: So we're talking at this particular strange moment in time, right? Where uh, we've been in the pandemic era for nine months. Coming up on 10 months feels
1: like it's like nine months going on 90 years it just feels like it's been forever but it hasn't even i mean it's about to be a year at least for my experience of it
0: yeah uh, but yeah, it feels exactly. like it's been 90 yeah yeah and uh, i think we can kind of see over the horizon there's going to be a time when an ecosystem isn't just zoom meetings and i'm wondering how you see that you know what's what's the job of leaders in either um, restarting their ecosystems, retooling their ecosystems for what's next?
1: Well, I think once we get through the public health crisis component of the present time. Um, we are going. I think. The, I think as the fog clears, we're going to recognize that we are in a very different place than we were pre-pandemic in terms of our economies and our communities. Some of the early data shows that you know we've lost perhaps half of some of the small businesses in our community. Uh, perhaps 40. You know, looks like about 40% of uh, entrepreneurs of color have have had to close their businesses permanently. Um, I think even if you just take the small sliver of businesses that are restaurants, it's going to look very, very different when we when we all are able to sort of go back out and, and, and interact as we used to do. And the thing is that this challenge, how do we rebuild our communities and economies after the health crisis, is, um, isn't something that one individual or one organization is going to be able to solve. And similar to the COVID itself, not one individual, not one organization, not one, even one political party now, or one president can solve this. It, it is only going to, the solutions for this, how we rebuild, reinvent, you know, reimagine our communities and economies is going to have to involve all of us. And the processes in which we typically do that are, um, you know, kind of broken. I mean, let's just look at Congress right now. That is typically the way we collaborate, at least in the United States, we collaborate and develop public policies to help folks. Uh, that, that system does not appear to be functioning very well right now. Um, but uh, that doesn't stop the need for our communities to be able to do that work. And, and while public policy is incredibly important, uh, where there's also just some immediate things that need to be done. And I think it's the role of leaders to bring folks together. Um, it's the role of leaders to create the environments in which people can collaborate and build trust and find collaboration. Um, and it's also the opportunity for us to rebuild and rethink how our societies are structured. I think to build a more equitable, more just uh, uh, communities and economies that are more inclusive of people of color and women and rural communities and immigrants and folks that have typically been left out. I think we're all we're all in the same sort of scenario, whether you're a little company or a big company, a nonprofit or for-profit. It's like we we have this. Uh, there's going to be a need uh, for us to work together. But there's also, I think, a really, you know, probably once in a, I don't even know what, once in a century, a lifetime, I don't know, uh, to be able to say, okay, well, when we put this all back together, how do we want to put this back together? And um, that's some of the silver lining, I think, of this. Um, Though there is certainly a lot of uh, uh, downside to what we've been had to go through for the last, you know, year and some.
0: Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about the lab and how we help organizations address complex challenges, including the challenges of building thriving ecosystems, visit our website at agilestrategylab.org. You can also email us through the website. Just look for the contact us button. You can learn more about strategic doing at strategicdoing.net. See you next time.